you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind. So you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com the Around the NFL podcast has tremendous upside. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come from a come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes: Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. All right, the draft is now forty-eight hours away. Thank God. Have, I have an idea. I have a product pitch. I, I think I know you're going to love it, Mark. But okay. Craig, I think you'll like it too. Um, game Pass. Okay. And this might actually exist. Game Pass. Uh, game in 40. You know, everybody loves that. It used to be Game in 30, Mark. I know both you and Wes, that was a sensitive subject. Um, some people like the draft more than other people. Me, I love like certain subplots around a draft. I like the... What, how things shake out after the draft, but the draft itself is not the easiest watch for me. Draft in 40. Oof. Give me the first round with go all through the picks. Give me a little bit of the analysis from our team and some highlights um, and then in, any other drama. And then you, instead of a three or four hour exercise, I could just do whatever I want on my Thursday night and then plug in and watch draft in 40. Like, what am I actually missing? Uh, in fact, what am I gaining a part of my life back? Well, yeah, well, so let's start here. You're missing nothing. Um, and I love this. Uh, it was even this morning that I was thinking to myself, you know, this is a king has no clothes scenario because we can hype up the draft all we want. And I think the process and the lead up um, and their intrigue around certain plot points is wonderful television. And, and I was the kid that would sit and watch the entire thing when it used to be on one day way back in the wind. But um, let's be real. It is, um, it is you, as a television it's like vehicle, bullet Bob Hayes with the first pick and Mark sitting crisscross applesauce no. in front of the radio. No, no, but it, I mean, they didn't spread it out over like, you know, a long weekend. It used to be, you know, they, an incredibly ponderous long television event. Um, but now, you know, they've done that even more now. I mean, remember Mike Mayox, um, I thought appropriate annoyance. Um, when there was like a baboon um, announcing like the Colts pick in round seven, it just it's it's absurd. It, it borders on. Um, oh, he was so pissed. Mind numbing. Yes, they maybe do have that orders. option. I wouldn't be surprised. I think it would 
it would be heartbreaking for most of the country that loves the draft because I think to a lot of people, I've talked to so many, like draft night is better than any game all year, and they want the whole thing. It'd be like the same way you'd feel about, you know, the, a Jets playoff game versus watching condensed or even wor- worse than that. So people want to eat it up. I, I do love draft night. I the, the, If you could give me the last two months in 40, that's what I would go for. <laughs> give me everything I need to know from the last two months of – draft coverage in 40 as a condensed i'm signing up for that but i love i love like draft one the, night one at least the most fantastical thing anyone has said so far in this podcast is uh, a jets playoff game i don't even know what that is anymore <laughs> right. um, not that long ago what do we got 20 uh, i mean we're 11, it's one of the longest 40, droughts 12. in football now yeah it's, it's been about tough. over a decade but um so yeah so you go game pass round one and then you could do rounds two through seven in 40 <laughs> minutes also that's easy no too. i mean that that's third day out. That third day, I can just you can feel like the blood about to come out of your ears. They're gonna change. I just thought about this too. Last week we met. I was saying how you know the way society is now. Mister Irrelevant is not gonna be lasting as a name, a moniker, because it's gonna de- be deemed insensitive. They're just gonna make him Mister Relevant, and, Mr. Then, they, Mi- and you know, then give Mr. him a little blue ribbon with his right. uh, parade. Mister Brave. How brave of you to be the last? I pick can't. In the I want this sandwich. Do, do we have the sandwich on irrelevant? It's going? a yeah. So the sandwich oh, wager is. And by the way, go get my lunch draft edition is coming up tomorrow. So make sure you check it out. Uh, the wager is in the next five years, Mister Irrelevant gets scrubbed uh, from NFL.com and, and in general as a cultural thing around the mm. draft uh, to a more sensitive uh, name that celebrates what the athlete has accomplished. That is my prediction in five years, and if. It's a five sandwich prop, Greg. I'll give you five sandwiches in five years. Okay, great. I could. I'm really excited about this one. And you remember to your condensed drafting. I mean, they have condensed. Remember, it used to be 15 minutes per pick in the first round. So I think they could go even a little farther, make it like five minutes per pick, and let's just fly. It'd be a wild. It'd be a wild couple of hours. All right, nice show coming up. Carbs back with us. Uh, Chase Goodbread, uh, one of NFL.com's. A great college football writer and reporters is going to talk to us. He's he's embedded down there in Alabama, um, and um, you know Alabama has been a hotbed at the top of the first round for the last two years, really forever. But uh, this these past two years, especially, so I want to talk about uh, some of these um, crimson tide, crimson tide guys and yes. uh, and uh, other uh, other uh, draft related uh, situations around. Um, as we get closer to the draft. Also, uh, we got to do some news. Got to see what's going on in our league. So let's hit it, Ricky. Um, I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday. So I can't guarantee who will be on our roster on Sunday. Um, So that goes for all of us. Wow. Kyle Shanahan digging in in his uh, Monday press conference talking about the number three overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft held by his 49ers. Uh, that was in relation, Mark, to uh, questions about the future of Jimmy Garoppolo and whether he is still a part of the Niners going forward. And, uh, Greg, as you put it on uh, Twitter, that was a very Sesslerian response. Yeah, even the, like the look in his eyes, the way he said it. Because there's a way that you could say that. A little bit of a I, rage in him, yeah. Yeah, that I think could have been more of like of a existentialist, like live in the moment. To me, that's like a positive way to look at life, that we might not be here on Sunday to enjoy like what you have. There's, there's nothing guaranteed. But that didn't feel like where he was coming from 
with that, it, it felt uh, it felt dark, and uh, it felt like a darkness uh, coming over Jimmy Garoppolo's tenure with the 49ers, too. I Yeah, I took that yeah. away from it, too, that I think Jimmy G will be somewhere else. Didn't that always kind of feel a little absurd, this song and dance about how Jimmy G is excited and how upfront the Niners are with him, and he's going to be a good little boy. The only reason he'd be a good little boy is because of the money, because he's not going to go with the money if he got cut. But if he, the best scenario for him is to get traded and retain the, what, $26 million he's meant to make this season. I mean, but the Shanahans have always um, kind of had their ups and downs with the media. I mean, Mike Shanahan, remember when we started at the NFL, he had that press conference where he walked out um, when reporters were jabbing at him about um, the concept of leaks inside the team. I would just say this. If you're Kyle Shanahan, yeah, it's like, why, um, why share secrets with a bunch of ham and eggers? Why spill things that you Wait, know. Wait, why are know they what... ham and eggers? Because they work in the media? What makes him like a god where he's, you're saying he, he can do whatever he wants with these plebeians beneath him. Is that what your angle is there? I'm just saying I'm he has to work with them in terms of doing the press conference. But why, like, you know, is Jimmy G going to be traded? Like, sure, let me give you a full dossier on what we plan to do with Jimmy G. It's like, you ask these questions, I'm not going to answer them. I'm not but he's going started, to. But how they answer him is instructive. I, and it doesn't surprise me that there's some reports, you know, CBS had one where, you know, they think Jimmy G is going to get traded this weekend. And I think, you know, that an answer like that, you know, did give, it you know, was a good way to ask it. Cause it gave, I think a little bit of information that, that maybe Jimmy G will be on another team that they're not going to go through with this. Who knows what's happened in, in the conversations between Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan that he said uh, that they've had. And the, the big headline is that the 49ers like five quarterbacks, uh, as they sit at the number three overall pick, and, and they're like he's... five better than Jimmy G. It's kind of it's kind of insulting to Jimmy G. Let's let's listen to the um, uh, general manager John Lynch, uh, his thoughts that came out of this press conference. It's been an incredibly um, thorough process, but ultimately, someone's got to be charged with making a decision. And in this case, it's the both of us. Everyone has, you know, in your contract, hmm. you do this. The draft is is mine. But I, I told Kyle from the beginning that this is he and I are doing this together and when it comes to quarterbacks I'd be foolish I believe uh, we have a head coach who's also our offensive play caller I will always defer to him and uh, you know what's cool about that is that Kyle I think respects my opinion enough he always wants it and uh, ultimately we arrive at decisions uh, we will and come Thursday we'll have a pick that uh, hopefully makes everyone proud but that will be judged in years to come Okay, here's the part of that quote that I found interesting because it does speak to the way this is all this goes down. Um, ultimately, someone has to got someone has got to be charged with making a decision, and in this case, it's the both of us. But that's not what it's, ultimately someone decides who that guy is. It's not something that they necessarily agree on. It comes down to one person that decides for the organization, and that is if you're looking to dig in to some intrigue. Uh, behind the scenes here and maybe why there's a little edginess in Kyle Shanahan's mm-hmm. voice when he's talking about things that maybe there's some bumping heads here. Mm-hmm. I, well, think I mean, you back... go ahead, Mark. No, I was gonna say you hear that like the football side, you know, under John Lynch, that those guys are into, they're not into Mac Jones. That's not who they want. But, but if he does, if he does, then he, you're, we're going to find out how the power structure operates here. I think it's Kyle Shanahan above all the rest. Right. I'll tell you who, how it is. It's Kyle Shanahan. It's his team. He essentially hired John Lynch. I, I think that gets forgotten. The order of who gets hired matters a lot. Now, officially, Lynch is in charge of the draft, but Shanahan got hired 
there was like a little process between when they got the GM, when, when Shanahan was still the OC of Atlanta, and he basically rubber-stamped Lynch, who he talked to. He essentially interviewed and hired Lynch. And okay, yeah, it does make sense. Of course he should pick the quarterback. But the edginess you talk about, Dan, I think could have something to do with these reports coming out. Because Kyle Shanahan's no dope. He knows where these could be coming from. They could be coming from inside the building. And I think that could be very frustrating. And I think there could be a frustration inside the building. Because I think you can look at Kyle Shanahan and recognize that he is the best play caller in the league. He helps quarterbacks, I think, more than any guy in the league. But that he maybe isn't the best quarterback evaluator ever. Because... He's the same guy who passed on Watson and Mahomes so that he could take C.J. Beathard and talks up Beathard. He, and everyone wants to say, well, Garoppolo fell on his lap. No, he's the one in charge of quarterbacks. Garoppolo's been his guy for three years, whether you like it or not. Like, has he been pristine in, like, orchestrating the quarterback position in San Francisco? Now he gets a chance to get his guy. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and I don't really doubt him making a choice. But I think, I think there is something going on here in terms of the front office and, and Shanahan. Keep tracking it. Uh, trade went down uh, today, Tuesday. Uh, Ian Rappaport broke it that Washington, the football team, acquired Eric Flowers, the tackle, and a late-round draft pick from the Dolphins, who sent back a um, – excuse me, who received a late-round pick. Uh, it, it's Flowers, who was drafted back in 2015 as a first-rounder. They gave him a three-year $30 million deal, 20 of that guaranteed – didn't really work out. So now he goes back over to Washington and we'll see uh, what happens there. What does this mean, uh, Greg, in terms of going forward with Miami and their pick at number six? Well, a lot of people think it might be them taking Panay Sewell if he's available at six or possibly Rashawn Slater, a, a tackle, because now they need a right tackle. I mean, Flowers wasn't playing tackle, but they drafted Robert Hunt last year who, who played some tackle and he's probably going to move inside and, uh, and so it would make their their trade down from three to six would also make a little more sense. Whether they're taking a playmaker or not, it's like they ultimately pulled a, a swap where they got some picks, moved from three to six, and now they're looking at a tackle. It just continues this trend, though, of them moving on from guys fast. Shaq Lawson, Kyle Van Noy, Eric Flowers, Jordan mm-hmm. Howard all signed big contracts last year. None of them made it back to the team this year. And he's on his third offensive coordinator in three years. And his second, and he's had two defensive coordinators. So they they they've been this, rolling through a lot of guys. I was gonna say, is that a sign of a coach that knows exactly one and has great vision, or or is there something off in how how this is uh, coming together in Miami? I know he's made progress, of course, Flores, and deserves a lot of credit for what he's built so far. But there's a little bit of uh, I don't know. It's, uh, there's a lot going on there. It seems. I mean, the Eric Flowers and Kyle Van Noys of the world. They they overpaid for average players they're not stars they're not moving on from foundational pieces i think they overpaid for them because they tried to get that roster up and running in a hurry it was a real mess but um you'd like to see maybe more one one or two year deals more cost efficient that that may be one of the i love their front office but they haven't been totally perfect and if they take sewell or slater at six that could put carolina in a bad spot who wants one of them and it also it i think is going to lead to something happen which happened last year, which is all these receivers everyone loves end up falling because there's so many of them because you know, that, that it feels like you can get a good one in the second round. And so maybe there's not as many of these like Alabama receivers, which we'll talk about going in the top 10 that people thought. I also it, would not be shocked if the dolphins 
move down again. I mean, this is just a team. At number six, there could be a lot of intrigue. If there's a run on quarterbacks, which there will be, and someone is viewing number six as the place they can go get Justin Fields. Miami, I don't care who they're, they may be hot on. Um, they seem like more than any team in the league willing to move up and down the board at their leisure. Uh, in other news, Kyler Murray entering his third year in the NFL with the Arizona Cardinals, former number one overall pick, was on Good Morning Football on Tuesday, and he was asked whether he has any input on selections by Arizona and whether General Manager Steve Kime considers the QB's opinion when making choices. Here's what he had to say. I do believe. I do believe. I think I have an influence in it. Um, I, I don't know why I wouldn't. You know, I think, if, you know, if you got a guy, a quarterback, and you trust him and you, you know, you want to be the face of the franchise for, you know, a lot of years, I think uh, he should have influence just because, I mean, everything, you know, is technically built around the quarterback. So um, I think I have that relationship with uh, Steve and, and, and Cliff. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what we do on Thursday. Feels like that's where football and sports are going. Your biggest stars, they're not just the guys on the field putting up the numbers. They're involved. If they're at that high level, franchise quarterback, uh, and certainly is the top of the heap. Um, I feel like they should have a voice and should be in the decision-making process to a certain degree. Do you guys agree? I mean, I would just say this. Like, yes, to a certain degree. I think you want to build a bridge with your stars. And, and they, especially if you're a quarterback, you want to feel supported and heard. And I mean, so we've seen some organizations, the Seahawks, kind of bungle that, and you suddenly you're in a place Texans. of chaos. But I would just say this too that for the like the regional scout that is spending like six straight months in like blasted out motel rooms, um, you know, putting together massive, you know, dense reports on all these players, the idea that we get to a place where um, your star player has equal time in a draft room well, a second, as though. that person, I, I'm not. And that's I not all due respect to scouts um, who deserve respect for putting in the work and grinding, but. When you're a Kyler Murray type player, you're a quarterback, you are kind of a football savant. So I feel like that guy has just as much, should have just a loud voice in terms of knowing what's talent and what's not and who can help and who can help. I think. Well, I, that, I think I'm not special. saying he does, he's not talented, but the idea that you're, that you go, you go take the scouting department out for beers after making Kyler Murray 50% of the decision making process. <laughs> well, I said to a certain extent, yeah, I no, didn't no, say 50%. It's just, it's just another voice. And especially if you're talking about receivers or something like that, it is interesting to note he, this is sort of, it's not new for Kyler. He, publicly campaigned for his old uh, teammate C.D. Lamb last year. Mm. And uh, that would have been a nice pick for them in hindsight. And their, and their pick, Isaiah Simmons, had some big struggles. It's only one year you don't want to get too I wonder. Who knows? You, you Maybe wonder Murray would have gotten connected. a better pick. Maybe it's connected. <laughs> Maybe that he stews about that a little bit and just hasn't spoken up on it um in maybe maybe the browns should have let brandon whedon um organize the three drafts after he was picked by the team right mark mark's fired up i don't today. think you get He's, it no i just <laughs> find it slightly absurd i mean it's like like just because you're great at quarterback you should be i look at i'm with you you're Dan. Just I think it's one just, you're, you're one just, voice. it's you're just one it's voice. lip service just let them feel like part of the process if you find out you've got this person that's like a true wizard okay but I wouldn't assume. Just to be clear, Brandon Whedon was a terrible, like thirty-four-year-old rookie quarterback that never did anything in the league. Kyler Murray is widely seen as one of the great young stars in football. There is a difference. Sure, go eight and eight again. You you know what I know? It's going to be a good Sessler show. <laughs> oh man, 
<laughs> is when he uses the phrase good little boys at some point. This is like what Sessler has different phrases which kind of like pop up as they, yeah. they get hot and not. And good yeah. little boys is a hot one now. When you got the good little boy dropped early in the yeah. show, it's going to be. Well, I, 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 am an, I am annoyed at myself. And I will tell you something because I made a major mistake. What a manufactured joke. Um, which just revealed how big of a fool I am when I, do, when I don't do my homework. What happened? I wished oh, yeah. um, our friend Matt Money Smith a happy birthday because I had seen someone else wish him happy birthday. And so I just jumped on it and, uh, you know, put out a tweet and all these people, I think it has like three or 400 Is likes. And, and Matt, birthday? well, so Matt, Matt texted me and he's like, Hey man, like, um, I should actually read this to you. This is, hold it. like, it's very wow. quintessential Matt Money Smith. Um, thanks for the birthday wishes, brother. Very kind of you. It pains me to say <laughs> I don't know why my Wikipedia page, which I didn't even, that's not where I got it from, is wrong. But for whatever reason it is, my birthday is in August and I've never updated it. So oh he was, I, we went back, I was like, should I keep it up? Should I take it down? I said, let's just keep it up because who's going to remember in August that this happened? Let's just get you a lot of likes and love on this weird little Monday. But what a fool. I mean, like he. Well, you know, I emailed him and said happy birthday because <laughs> of your tweet. So I wouldn't beat yourself up over it. It's no big deal. Well, I'm not beating myself up. It's just like another, you know, like, you know, the, the mistakes accumulate. I got, you know, I got it a few funny. tweets yesterday. Everybody was like, by the way, the Johnny Manziel draft was not nine years ago. Right. And it all also wasn't nine years ago, nine years ago today. How could, how could you make that mistake? And I was like, Tommy Lee Jones and the fugitive. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down. Who cares? Um, I mean, I thought it was, it wasn't like I purposely, Got the time element wrong, uh, but you really gonna fact check me on that? We had a fun but what, little. But walk what pushed you to lane. say to the day though? To the day feels like you would have. I must have like it was a. That. I mean, now we're giving it time, but I think I must have seen April twenty sixth. Maybe that was the upload date of the YouTube video. I don't know. I don't remember exactly why. But uh, everybody relax. It was not nine years ago. It was seven years ago. And it was seven years ago this week. Are you happy now? Does that make a right. better show? Is that is I that mean, what you were looking for? Right. To me, also, birthday wishes are like a state of mind. So I think it would be totally appropriate if all our listeners, you know, sent birthday messages to Matt Money Smith now. Still, like right. after the fact. Just, I think just they let should. them know that you care. Let them know I that you care. I think they should. Uh, two more news items, and then we're going to get uh, carbs on here. First, new Vikings cornerback Patrick Peterson is the first player to take advantage of the NFL's new relaxed rule on jersey numbers. <laughs> He's now going to be number seven. Seems insane to me. But again, as not a huge college football guy, uh, seeing cornerbacks run around in secondaries at number seven, like that's not something I've ever really seen. So it, to me, it's like, I don't know. It's like Mickey Mantle wearing number seven and playing catcher or something. It just doesn't add up. Uh, but Peterson's exact. He's happy. Now we know, uh, Greg, uh, that he has to buy out the existing stock of his old like, number. He's on uh, a new team, 21. right? Does that count? Because he's on a new team, uh, so maybe ooh, that, I, right. think, ah, I think he's safe. That's so he doesn't have to buy out the jerseys and drop them no, over? they hadn't like, made it yet. They had drop them over an orphanage or something? Like he doesn't Dalvin have to do that Cook move? said his would cost $1.5 and he was like, no thanks. So <laughs> just wait. So. Wow. And finally in the news, and this was interesting to me, but also, I have to be honest, befuddling, uh, Chiefs tight end Sean Culkin uh, I imagine no relation to Macaulay and Kieran and the rest of the Culkin gang. Uh, he announced via Twitter that he will be the first NFL player to convert all of his salary to Bitcoin. And um, 
Culkin, he doesn't have a guaranteed roster spot with Kansas City, but if he could become Travis Kelsey's backup, uh, he would be paid $920,000 by the Chiefs in U.S. dollars, but in turn will convert that to Bitcoin. And, you know, you got Bitcoin and you got NFT and all this stuff. Sometimes either it's me not having any type of economics background or, or B, just getting older and just being a little disconnected. This stuff confuses me. So I decided uh, this would be a good time to introduce a new micro segment, I call it, micro seg, on the pod called Money on Money. Hit it, mm. Ricky. Bitcoin is a currency. So if you're on Forex and you're in currency trading, think of it as a dollar. Uh, I think probably the better way to run a parallel is gold, right? If you own gold, you don't, uh, you kind of own the physical gold itself. I suppose you could figure out a way to get your hands on it, but really, you own um, the idea of gold, you own shares of gold, um, and you can trade in gold. A lot of people have gold to balance out their portfolio to protect against um, different directions of inflation or a volatile market. Uh, you know, gold has been around for, what, 5,000 years as an anchor. Basically, what Sean Culkin's going to do is get paid in whatever, his regular paycheck, and then he's just going to take that that paycheck to a place like Coinbase or, or some particular market that, that trades in Bitcoin and he's going to purchase the Bitcoin. Um, and that would be no different than him taking that paycheck and saying, I'm going to put my entire paycheck into the S&P um, or I'm going to put my entire paycheck into the Dow, into the uh, NASDAQ. Sean Culkin, I'm assuming, is trying to angle for some sort of endorsement deal or to be part of a company that would be interested in hiring him um, to promote and sell the idea of Bitcoin. Well, I mean, it would be more uh, ironic. Got smarter just now. I think we all just got a little. No, bit No, I mean, he's like it would be more ironic if Matt Money Smith actually were bad with money or had no interest in money. But the problem is, he, I, I'm like, what, what Netflix show should I watch tonight? Like, and he's like digging into like deep <laughs> portfolios and stuff. There's different types of people, and they yeah, see no, differently. He added, there's a his portfolio um, uh, consists of a sizable uh, portion of it has some type of. Uh, Bitcoin leaning. So money is money on money is a segment that's on fire already because you just know it's coming from somebody that lives it. I mean, his name is money. I mean, I don't know how this isn't already a part of his life, how he's not getting paid to do this on like CNBC or whatever. What is the financial one? It's see, this yes, is I, I believe mean. it's that. That's yeah. it. That's God. it. I think, I think that, was, that was very informative and it's good. You asked him. He gave like a very education, educated answer. Because I think that's part of part of the problem with Bitcoin. There's just not enough people, you know, who will talk you talk to you about it. Like even when you don't want to hear about it, it's just like <laughs> I just wish like the Bitcoin people would be a little more aggressive in like talking to everyone about it. You know, it's just like I, I need to hear more. So, so, so come on, come at us. Greg is Greg is. I don't know where he's coming from sometimes with the <laughs> the arrows that he slings in all directions. So here's where I'm coming from. The worst people on Twitter are the ones talking about Bitcoin. That's where I'm coming from. Uh, I can find some people that can compete with that. That's an auto auto mute. That's an auto mute. All right, that's what's happening. In the I didn't know. I had no idea, Greg, that that you had that uh, take. But maybe there's some really good people out there also that are they're they're probably good people. But it's kind of like it's just like a religion. It's I'm all for people doing whatever makes them money and happy. But when they're pushing it on you aggressively, all like the the Elon Musk's of the world. Right. Well, there's a lot of carryover there. There's yeah. a lot of carryover there. I got it. Yeah, it's like the slimy stockbrokers of the 80s are now like 
these type of people that are in this advanced currency, if you will. Like, you're not, you don't understand money. I'm in the future and you're in the past. It's like, okay, bro, calm down. We'll put our pants on one leg at a time. See, now I'm on Greg's side. (laughs) Now, what I don't understand. I'm not against you. I just, it's a world I don't, I'm a child in in those realms. All right, that's what's happening in the news. All right. Man. Pink Floyd, that's a good band. Yeah, you know it's another good band? The Drive-By Truckers. And when I think of uh, the Drive-By Truckers, I think of one man, Chase Goodbread. And we welcome him in now to the Around the NFL podcast. There he is. I call him Carbs, uh, but this is a dude that eats during draft time. He eats all the knowledge and then delivers it to us. What's up, Carbs? I don't know where I was going with that. Good to be back on here. How are y'all? Good, good. What's new, Carbs? It's been a while. What are you up to? It's been a while. Yeah, it's about annual with you guys, but I enjoy it every year. So uh, for, for sure, yeah, I'm looking forward to the draft. Uh, probably going to not not in Cleveland this year. I've, I've been some years, not others. This is a not year. And so uh, I'm happy to, to fire up the grill and uh, do it that way. Mm. Very nice. Beautiful. Uh, Carbs is a man that knows how to have fun down there in Alabama. And, you know, Carbs, it's kind of a fascinating symmetry here with the, these last two drafts. So, of course, last year, uh, Tua goes fifth overall in the first round. Um, Henry Ruggs goes 12th to the Raiders. Jerry Judy, 15th to the Broncos. So all Alabama product, products. This year, you're hearing Mac Jones as a top five pick in the first round. And then you have Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddell. Uh, that are projected to be front half of the first round guys as well. This is pretty wild. And I know it's a football factory down there, but this is pretty hardcore. Yeah, two quarterbacks and two re- two quarterbacks and four receivers across two years, uh, all maybe in the, I guess, in the top half of the first round. It is, it is pretty crazy. The, the receiving core that Tua had at Alabama, at one point, Jalen Waddle was the number four. Right, because he was <laughs> so he was stuck behind Devontae Smith and Ruggs and Judy. It's, I I don't think I'll ever see a deeper college receiving core in my lifetime. I really don't than, than those four. Uh, and, and Smith and Waddle, you know, that's been a fun discussion for a lot of people. Who's who's going to get picked first? Who's going to be the better pro and all that? I, I like Waddle a little bit more than Smith as a pro, which which kind of cuts against the grain because Smith is the one that had a monster year. Uh, and I think Smith will be a good pro. I don't buy into this weight stuff, you know, him being too small. Uh, I, I think that's largely kind of media creation. But I do think Waddle is going to make a little a little bit better pro. He's he's mm. a faster. He's faster. He's he's got more shake and bake in the open field. He's crazy good as a return guy. Um, if you wanted a if you wanted a comp from me on Jalen Waddle, I would say to you. If you remember Dante Hall, the the kicking specialist, uh, the return specialist with the Chiefs, if Dante Hall had been an all-pro receiver along with being an all-pro return guy, that's what Jalen Waddle is going to look like in the NFL to me. Mm, That's why I I still am not ruling out him going to Miami at six. This this trade they made and some talk that – um, that they'll take a tackle there makes like more sense. But I, you know, you look around people kind of, and, and people, you know, they wager on this. We can talk about this now in this new NFL, like the idea of like Waddle or Smith who goes first, it would not surprise me at all carbs. 
if the a lot if a lot of NFL teams agree with everything you just said, and that because of that, Waddle actually goes off the board first. It won't surprise me a bit, and and it's a shame that he busted his foot pretty bad against Tennessee and missed most of his last year at Alabama. But there's lots of film on him, even even when he was a number four his freshman year, which I guess would have been 2018. Uh, he was, you, you can see flashes that this, this guy is going to be a pro. There's no doubt about it. He's just too fast. He's, he's too quick. He's too good. His sophomore year, he was, he was dynamite as well. Although again, behind rugs and Judy, he didn't get a ton of catches. So uh, not a lot of mileage on him, I guess, when you look at it that way, but uh, for sure, he's a, he's a special athlete. And I, I think he's going to be, making big plays and, and returning and returning punts and kickoffs in a, in a big way right away. You know, Carbs, um, tomorrow around this time, my mock draft uh, goes live before the nations, Ooh. the eyes of the nation. So there'll be some surprises there, but like, you know, not surprising a lot of Alabama players. Um, Patrick Sertain, uh, I'm not going to reveal to you or anyone else where I placed him, um, but it feels organic. It feels right. Is he the most sure thing? Could you make an argument that he's the most sure thing in this entire first round? By the way, I want the audience to know that uh, uh, we know Chase uh, Goodbread very well from years back at different events, but not on a day-to-day basis. We don't work together. So I don't know if Carbs had a very like straight face there. I don't know if he thinks Mark's being dead serious about the mock draft uh, and was taking it in stride or if he knows that was all in jest. But either way, it's it's funny to me. I like it. <laughs> No, I get it. I, I, I get it. The, the, the world is waiting with bated breath for, exactly. for Sessler's for the, the tiniest of minutia about Sessler's mock. Why would, why would they not? Absolutely. He's, I'm going to predict he's going to the Cowboys. You know, now he'll have to change it if he did that, but I'm going to predict that. Oh, you're trying to rain on him. Sertan <laughs> we'll is a safe pick though. Yeah, no doubt. He, he's, yeah, I got a chance to watch him at his pro day up close. That was on March 23rd. And, yeah, you could tell the scouts were buzzing about him, uh, his, his vertical jump, the broad jump, all that athletic stuff. He ran a strong 40-yard dash. I think his 40 was in the four fours. He's got the tape. He started for Nick Saban as a freshman, which tells you a lot because Nick Saban is is a defensive back. He's not only a defensive coach, he's a defensive backs coach. He calls himself the highest paid DBGA in college football. Uh, he's, he's always with the DBs in practice, and He's been a big Sertan fan from from day one, uh, has worked him some early in his career. He actually worked a little bit at nickel in that slot corner spot. And then he's, he, he ended up being more of a full-time guy on the outside. He's plenty big enough to play outside, but if an NFL club wanted to drop him inside, he, he could handle that too. I, I'm fascinated, though, about these teams that are taking cornerbacks early and teams are like, OK, that upgrades that position. That's a safe pick. When was last cornerback to come into the league and make a difference? Like that is a tough position right now it is. to come into the league and be good right away. I'm not saying that they don't eventually. Right. But it wasn't last year. What about year. Marshawn Lattimore? It wasn't the year before. I was just about to say Lattimore. There, so yeah, that's, that 20, that's 2017, <laughs> though. So that's that's tricky. When when you're yeah. drafting top 10, Sertan seems really like a safe pick and is exciting. But I do wonder, you know, towards the top of the draft, if that's going to affect any team. Probably not because everyone needs cornerbacks. But it just seems like it's a trend right now. Linebackers are a little similar, too. Like, guys that have to cover, they're getting – they're getting flayed. Like, like no matter who you are, if you're coming out from college, maybe it's just a two or three year 
thing, but I, it's been something on my radar that none of these cornerbacks have have had a great transition. Sertan seems like a unique guy in that he he knows the game so well. Maybe he could avoid that. Yeah, for sure. The the cornerback spot, you used to, you don't hear about it so, so much anymore, but it, it used to be if, if you if you get drafted as a corner, you can't cut it at corner. Ah, we just move you to safety. Well, safety is not nearly as valuable as a position at corner anymore. The the separation of value to me in those positions is is widened. And so, you know, if you're a, if you're a bust of a corner as a first round pick, even if you do move to safety and, and flourish a little bit, it's it's not the same as having a guy who can lock down a, a big time receiver on the outside. Not nearly the same. Hey, uh, Carbs, I want to get back to, to this draft and specifically some SEC sleepers, because I know that's your area of extreme expertise. But I do want to touch on the uh, 2020 Alabama class um, and Tua first and foremost, because there's so much so much speculation around him, how he's going to look in year two and how the Dolphins are, are potentially putting him in a spot where he's going to have huge upgrades around him uh, and an Alabama type setup in terms of skill players, uh, potentially. Um, how did he look to you last year in Miami? And then I'm curious also about Ruggs and Judy, who had very kind of up and down uh, rookie years themselves. Yeah, they did for sure. Tua struggled at times. There's no doubt about it. I think that club did he look healthy to him you? weapons. What... Did Tua look healthy? He. Yeah, he he did. He did. I'm not I'm not going to say the hip was 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 a problem for him necessarily. I think they just they got to get more weapons in there for him. And it doesn't matter if they're Alabama guys great. If it's somebody else, you know, if 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 it's Kadarius Tony at Florida, whoever it is, uh get some people in there for him who can who can light up the secondary. I think you'll see a lot of improvement from him. Rugs and Judy were up and down for sure. Judy had a lot of drops with the Broncos was never drops were never a problem for him at the college level so that certainly surprised me he was never really on the same page I don't think with with Drew Locke I saw one particular Broncos game uh late in the season where where him and Locke just just could not connect at all lots of frustration for sure on on both ends of that and 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 Ruggs you know, he just didn't he just didn't get enough balls in his hands and so I think he's got some developing to do himself but you could you could still there's flashes of explosiveness with rugs that you can't deny. He had one game for the Raiders where he was two for one eighteen. He had another game for the Raiders where he was three for eighty four. So he can get downfield if he can get the ball in his hand. With with Tua uh, going circling back to Tua there, I think one thing that jumped out to me was how much dink and dunk was in his game and how much do you, like at Alabama was he a guy that you believe saw as like a guy who was attacking downfield and, and you think if they do surround him with the right guys, he changes the way he played his game because he was not a lot of fun to watch last year, to be totally honest. Right. Right. He can absolutely go downfield. He's got a lot of velocity on that arm. I, I think he's, I, I think he's the most talented Alabama quarterback I've, I've, I've ever seen, frankly. Um, so yeah, he doesn't like to check it down, but I think in Miami he probably had to, was told to, was coached to, what have you. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, there's 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 no question the guy can push the ball down the field. Now the the difference is too at Alabama he could hit a slant or a screen or some kind of short pass to one of these four receivers we've been talking about, and that'll turn into a 50 yard touchdown. So um, it, it, he got a lot of big plays at Alabama through that. They had a they had a couple of slant plays that that nobody could stop. They were RPO plays, but, but they, they ate 
tons of yardage doing that kind of stuff. Uh, but in terms of zip on the ball and, and being able to thread a needle, you know, in the intermediate, in the inter- intermediate level, he can do that. They're, they're so fascinating because in theory they they were in position. They still are at six to take another quarterback comparing him to Mac Jones. Uh, give me a couple comparisons, him to Mac Jones. Who do you think was a better prospect? I think they're probably more similar than people think. And, and Najee Harris compared to the running backs that have come out of Alabama lately. Because I, I, I'm wondering if any running backs get taken in the first round. There's a lot of buzz that the Steelers may take them, uh, Harris, but it also seems possible that, like, no running backs go in the first round. Yeah, it could be. I like, in terms of just straight talent, I like Tua more than Mac Jones. Jones had a great year, uh, no doubt about it. Tua's definitely the better athlete. I think Tua's got more zip on the ball. I think he's just as accurate. I think he makes decisions just as quick as Mac Jones. And so uh, if, I, if I was grading them as prospects, I would have Tua higher than Jones uh, for sure. Harris, you know, he's an interesting case. He's not the fastest guy in the world, as productive as he was at Alabama. He didn't break a bunch of 50 and 60 yard runs at all. Uh, he's, and he's an exciting player with some great athletic skills. Uh, but but you really, I don't, in four years at Alabama, in all his time at Alabama, I'm not sure he broke a, a run more than 50 yards. And so, and he never ran a 40 yard dash, by the way, no combine. He, he didn't run the 40 at his pro day. He had an injury through the spring that he was kind of rehabbing a little bit. So I think that's a question uh, for some clubs for sure. But the guy can catch the ball. He can go between the tackles. He can make people miss. He's big for a guy who's so light on his feet. You know, he weighs 230 pounds. And in the open field, sometimes he looks like he weighs about 190. So uh, tons of of athleticism for sure. But not a game breaker. In the NFL, he he won't get loose from his own 20 and put it in the end zone. He's He's not that fast. You know, Carbs, uh, we haven't seen you since we lost our friend Wes. And when I think about Wes and uh, when it came to, you know, he maybe not have been the biggest college football guy of all time, but he was a tape watcher and he was a lone wolf. Like the whole society would say, this player is looking great. And he'd tell you, no, he's not. And he'd be right so often. So I wonder if there's um, a guy out there that you're kind of a lone wolf on where, you know, the the whole college side and the draft Knicks and all this stuff are saying, we love or hate this guy. And you just don't, you feel differently. Um, and secondly, like you guys were both big green egg fans. Like what is the perfect kind of big green egg um, project for maybe not the first night of the draft, but like those, that long weekend that follows these endless picks that go on for weeks, time to cook something. What would you be cooking? Yeah. If I had the time, it'd be, a, it'd be a brisket, but a brisket is just, I'll answer the second question first. It's the more fun question, but uh brisket, I love to do it, but it, but you got to babysit it for, for a long, long time, 10, 12 hours sometimes, probably not ideal uh, because I'm actually going to be working during the draft. So uh, in order to juggle uh, NFL.com draft weekend, duties and the grill i'm thinking something hot and fast you know a steaks something something like that that can get done quick as for an sec sleeper somebody <laughs> i think somebody i think that, that west would have liked uh, i'll give you seth williams a wide receiver from auburn who's probably going to be picked on the last day of the draft i don't know why the guy's mm. hands are unbelievable he's unbelievable in traffic he can he can make that back shoulder catch. He's got great body control. You know, I, I don't know if he's the fastest guy in the world. Maybe that was the issue. I don't know what he ran, but 
uh, Seth Williams is going to make some team a, a, a really fine third day pick, I think. Anybody else uh, in your SEC sleeper watch? Mm. I like Trey Smith, the the offensive lineman from from Tennessee. Uh, he he's going to be a mid round guy. I think he's got a whole lot of potential. I thought he looked pretty good at the Senior Bowl down in Mobile. Uh, he's had some medical issues. He had some lung issues actually that kept him off the field and hampered him early in his career. He got the medical clearances to get back on the field for the Vols and uh, was was dominant pretty much the last couple of years. If you go back and watch 2019 tape of, of Tennessee against South Carolina, he handles uh, – um, he handles the, the – slipping slip my mind, the defensive tackle from South Carolina that went first round last year. Ken uh, to the Niners. Ken Law, Ken Law, thank you. Thank you, Greg. He dominated Ken Law um, for the most part in, mm. in 2019. And if you go back and look at Ken Law's last year at South Carolina, uh, which, which was 19, nobody blocked him like Smith did. Mm. That's why they call him All right. Chase Goodbread. Well, his mom called him Chase Goodbread. She gave him the name. We call him Carbs. And you always deliver uh, the goodness, uh, Carbs. And we hope to see you uh, down the line. Uh, we've all been separated for all long, far too long now. So uh, whenever we do see you again, perhaps we will celebrate over a big green egg or something. Who knows? Looking forward to it, fellas. Take it easy. All right, there Thank he you. goes. Good information. Chase. See, we have... We have our, these sparrows that are helping us out. Lance Zierlein, uh yesterday, Chase Goodbread uh, today. Tomorrow we have a special guest, someone that has a lot of skin in the game, I'll say, when it comes to college football. Uh, and, and, and that person uh, will be able to hopefully give us, hopefully give us some information. <laughs> um, I, I want to uh, touch on something that uh, just kind of a follow-up point before we say goodbye. And, and again, remember the Mark Sessler mock draft. I want to touch on that as well is coming up tomorrow. Um, we were nominated, of course, for a um, Cyclops Award. And um, a lot of people wanted to know whether we came out on top. I believe it's actually the Synopsis Award? Award I show? I don't know. I have no idea, actually. And uh, you, we were not nominated in the Innovators and Disruptors category. I was fine with that. Uh, but Best Podcast Series series felt like a lock uh, for us. I mean, we, were, we got a nice little show here. But uh, we didn't win. <laughs> they gave it to Chris Russo, of all people. Digging up the past with Chris Russo. I don't know what that is. Um, and uh, so we, we take another L and it, it is starting to feel like with these awards, and we are of course, best new Sports Podcast, uh, Apple Podcast 2013. Got that in our back pocket. We got the, um, what's the award that was stolen by our producer? Spotify or we got something? The, Stitcher. No, Stitcher. Stitcher. We Stitcher. got the Stitcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not not the current producer. Um, but now it's starting a, a bit of a mark, a Susan Lucci thing going on uh, for us. And uh, I, I just, I don't think it's right. I don't think it's fair. I think we got a nice little show here. And it's time to start getting some hardware to, and be rewarded for it. Well, it's the one thing I'd say is I don't. It doesn't sting as much for me to lose to a a friend of the show, but a childhood hero. I don't know if I'd. We talked about this a billion times. I don't know if we'd be here if it weren't for Chris Russo. Does Russo even know that he he won the Cyclops? 
That's, I guess, my issue. Well, I, I wouldn't be sure of that. I mean, I, I would suggest he maybe someone told him and he thought great and, you know, moved on with his day. I, we might have been a little more zeroed in, but, um, you know, it, 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 it irritates me on, on other levels. Um, I will think about it, um, but I don't know how to – Greg, help me out here. I'm not sure Greg what – Greg doesn't care. What, but it matters very much. I just, I'm rewatching The Last Dance right now. What ha- when was it? It happened a few days back. Um, I was watch- rewatching The Last Dance, the Jordan doc, and it's like when B.J. Armstrong um, hit a dagger shot to, and the Hornets beat the Bulls in game one of like the 98 Eastern Conference semifinals, and then Jordan's like, oh, I'm just going to ruin your life now. Um I have that in me when it comes to these award shows. In fact, I declare vengeance on the entire awards industry uh, related to the podcast. I, I just think it's time to stop being Mr. Nice Guy and maybe we start getting some trophies. Well, yeah, the, the, the money drop today was, you know, that we're filled with upside. But our, our track record would show we're, we're a little more like the um... – what what's your guy's name? Landon Dickerson uh, of this draft. Like we got, <laughs> dare got a lot of hardware early, you know, but we're just kind of plugging along right now, you know, not getting. Not, Landon not, Dickerson you know. is going to make someone very happy, a team very happy, the, a rock solid man in the pivot. Great leadership, great player. I am tracking him hard. I'm going to actually check in on Landon. Um, uh, wait, did he go to Alabama? Did I whiff on asking Chase about Landon <laughs> Dickerson? Oh, no. Get him I back actually, on the you know what? Because I was organi- we organize our questions, um, unless you're some sort of savant, maybe. But I'd like to, you know, what, know what I'm asking carbs ahead of time. And I decided to not even touch Landon Dickerson. Oh. I assumed that, Dan, you would have like three or four of questions about his personhood. Oh, brutal. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to hit him up privately. I'm Landon Dickerson, who's I mean, my favorite. Back. We could call him back right now and see what happens. <laughs> because, I mean, after Zach Wilson, he's he's the only guy that I'm really tracking in this draft. Um, he's in my uh, draft in 40 um, roundup. Um, in my mock, I have the Jets taking Dickerson, Landon Dickerson at number two, so you can be sure <laughs> that you get your guy. Don't worry. So this is – and, yeah, so that's what's going on. Vengeance declared on the awards industry. Uh, I'm not. I'm not being a nice guy about it anymore. I'm demanding award. We demand to be taken seriously. That's that's my yep. message to the award industry. And Mark, I know you demand to be taken seriously in the mock draft game. And I've noticed this. There's a little bit of an edginess uh, with Greg toward your mock draft, almost like he's trying to kind of deflate it a little bit. And I, mm. I want to say, I personally, I'm not comfortable with it because I know it's sneaky. Does mean a lot to you to be accepted. Uh, industry-wise as a serious football man. I, mean, I think when you rise up in an industry, you're going to, uh, you're going to experience a, a wide range of emotions from the people around you. So you know, I think Greg is watching um, someone that he works with uh, take off like a rocket into the draft space. And I think that's uncomfortable for him because probably he thinks I should be the one. I'm Greg. I should be the one doing the mock draft. Mm. Why is this clown Mark um, mm. you know, you know, in charge of this area? But, you know, I got there first, and it's not just getting there first, Greg. It's excelling at it. Um, I, was, I did a marvelous job last year, and I plan to absolutely blow the community away with what I prepare for you this time around. No, I, I'm with you, Mark. I mean, I, I think you, you looked around the football landscape, and you saw a need. You know what I mean? You saw, like, a hole in the marketplace in 2019. You were like, this needs another mock draft, This like a mock draft, you know, during draft week. We need another one. I'll, I'll just say one thing, uh, Mark, just because I don't want you to – because I know you have a lot on your plate already, and I don't want you to be have more anxiety 
ahead of the mock draft reveal tomorrow on the Around the NFL podcast. But just because you got there first doesn't mean you're safe because Greg just ran up a column a couple weeks ago uh, called Power Rankings, uh, which was a little <laughs> shot across my bow. Uh, yeah. So just know that there could be a Rosenthal mock draft. There, there will never be another. There will never be another Thanks, Rosenthal Paul, mock draft. No, that's instructive, Dan. I, you, thank you. I will. I'll, I'll mull that. All right. Good stuff. Big show coming up tomorrow. You heard it. We've been teasing it. Uh, thank you to Chase Goodbread. Uh, uh, one more show tomorrow ahead of the draft, and then we dig in with a big Thursday night show. So make sure you uh, tune in all week because we got this thing covered. We got it unlocked. They don't give us trophies, uh, but really the only trophy we need is you, the listeners, uh, coming back every show. That's not true. I want the physical manifestation. Right. That's, that's, that's just assumed. Yes. Um, all right. This is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood behind the virtual glass. Until Wednesday. Keep the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. I'm late. I'm late. For a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.